You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Now, I really marvel at some of the things that people say to each other in conversation, and we totally let slide. When someone starts a sentence with, now, I don't mean to be rude, you know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be rude. And how about this one? Um, Not to interrupt, but then they interrupt. Or not to change the subject. What is this? Why do we talk this way? I don't want to be rude, but then I'm going to be rude. I don't mean to interrupt. Okay, well then don't interrupt. I don't want to change the subject. Well, then don't. Like we, we talk this way because there are these verbal tricks we've learned to try to disarm the person we're about to be rude to, to disarm the person we're about to interrupt, or to, or to disarm the person whose subject we're about to change. It's really fascinating that we do that. And what's amazing is that the Bible never does this. The Bible knows, God knows his word is filled with a lot of hard things to hear and never pulls back. That's why in verse 22, he says, the writer of Hebrews says, I appeal to you. So I I want you to hear me, brothers and sisters, what what I'm writing to you over these 13 chapters, what I've been saying, bear with my word of exhortation. That means receive what I'm saying. And he says this because he knows, I've told you a lot of challenging things, a lot of hard things to endure to the end, to put up with those who are mistreating you to honor marriage, to withstand the world, to, to not drift away from the things you've heard, to keep the marriage bed pure. These are all very challenging things to hear. And this, we need them for all of life. The end of this book isn't just for the end of the book and he's tidying up. Oh yeah, by the way, Timothy got out, which is so you guys know. Um, hey, people in Italy send your greetings. These are all very meaningful things. These closing words are meant for all of life. This is a doxology, which is a a praise to God at the end. But this is also a prayer request that may the God of peace equip you with everything you need to do his will, because without it, we can't make it happen. That we need God to do these things in our lives today, tomorrow, and until that final trumpet sounds, we need the God of peace at work in us. So as you go about your lives this week, these verses, this is the truth that we need. When you are gearing up to finally tell your friend or tell your coworker about Christ, these words are fuel for you. When you're going to open up to others in your missional community this week, you're going to ask for prayer or, or confess something. These verses give us hope. And as I thought about the Mitwitties who are preparing to move to Fort Worth in a few weeks, and the Krupkeys who are moving to Charlotte and preparing to work with SIM Missions Agency, and and Jessica Gann, who's heading to Japan this summer for missions. I couldn't help but think of them in these words. And I couldn't help but think of us in these words. As you're going to try and love your neighbor and love your enemies, even as you change that diaper that you just changed two minutes ago, and you got to change it again, as you're doing the laundry, as you're praying for your family, as you're trying to do family worship and trying to do family discipleship, as you go about your life outside of these walls, these verses invite us into a supernatural way of life. 
And we've got to start viewing these things as not just some kind of spiritual church talk, but as reality for us. Where the power to live God's word comes from. Where the power to follow Christ comes from. Where the power to honor God comes from. And it comes from God alone. Look at verse 20. Now, so after all that he's been saying, especially in chapter 13, but think in the entire book, he comes to this conclusion. Now may the God of peace, and skip down to verse 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. The power to do God's word comes from God alone. This is the prayer and this is the praise. God equip us and God, you can equip us. You can furnish us with what we need to do, with what we need to do, what you call for. Church, we are being reminded and revived to be confident in the God of peace alone. Look at verse 20 again. This is what we need to remember. Now, may the God of peace. What's amazing is that he could have said a gazillion things about God right here. Why peace? Why not say, now may the God of mercy, the God of love, the God of joy, the God of power, the God of justice, the God of wrath. Oh, now why the God of peace? When you read your Bible, you should notice things like this and ponder them. Okay, why? Why the God of peace? Remember, these Hebrew Christians, they're enduring persecution in the heat of the culture. And they're thinking about leaving. They got a lot of chaos in their life. And what's the temptation when chaos comes? To buckle under it. Or to try to manage it yourself. What happens when you're bullied or mistreated? The temptation is you want to fight back. Or you buckle under it and give up. He's reminding us that we have a God of peace. We don't experience ultimate and satisfactory peace by our pursuits and by what we can accomplish, but with the God of peace, that when our life is being tossed around and work is horrible and sickness and frustration and challenges and chronic pain, suffering, worrying about our children, the world, the news cycle, we can remember we have the God of peace and we can be at peace with him. This doesn't mean all of our difficulties poof away and our problems are solved. No, it means we trust God. That God, he's not a God of chaos, but of calm and harmony. And, and God isn't nervous. If God isn't nervous, why should we be scared? So maybe today we just need this simple and subtle reminder from verse 20 that your God is a God of peace. Bring your chaos to him. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is interested in. He's not too busy. Bring your disjointed life to him. And look at what this God of peace does. God, rev God revives us by our risen shepherd. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace, and what has this God of peace done? Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. He brought again from the dead Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, he is not dead. This matters for everyday life. This is why this is here. The resurrection of Christ isn't just an Easter day message. This is an everyday message for Christians. That if we're gonna do God's will, everything to do his will, we need the risen Christ. And because he isn't a pile of bone fragments somewhere in Jerusalem, we now have power for our lives. So he brought him again from the dead. This was, this was not just a, the resurrection of Christ, it wasn't just this ghostly kind of spiritual, okay, he's kind of like a phantom going around. No, he brought him from the dead. His body turned back on. After he paid for our sins on the cross and shed his blood and gave up his breath, offers us forgiveness. All of these things are only possible if Jesus really is alive. Because if he didn't come back from the dead, then Jesus is a joke. He's an, he's an imposter. He's a huckster. But since Jesus is alive, he's now our Lord and our God and our leader and our confidence. Look at how he describes him. Who brought him again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. So there's two descriptions of Jesus happening here. Three, really. Risen, Lord, and now next, the great shepherd of the sheep. Risen, Lord, and the great shepherd of the sheep. He leads us. This is what shepherd means. It, it's not just a, like a, you know, Bible cover, coffee mug, you know, Facebook picture kind of, the Lord is our shepherd. You gotta really think about what that means. It means he's the leader of our life. Is that true of your life? You can't have Jesus just as a savior and not be your shepherd. A lot of people in the Bible will think, well, Jesus will be my savior. Jesus is the great sealer of my eternity, but he's not the shepherd of my life. That is not Christianity. Jesus is both. He is our savior. He is the sealer of our eternity. And he's also the shepherd of our lives here and now today. What does it mean for Jesus to be the shepherd of your life? Have you ever considered this? What does it mean tomorrow? What does it mean for the risen Christ to lead you? I think a lot of times we just want Jesus just to handle our eternity. And he will, and he does, but Jesus wants to help us now from the Bible. When the Bible is speaking to us and calling out to us, this is the voice of the risen Christ. As Jesus says in Luke 6, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? These are people who want Jesus to handle their eternity, but Jesus tells them, but you don't do anything I say now. You want me to seal your eternity, but you don't want to listen to the things I say. Well, what are the things Jesus says? 66 books worth of God's word to us. There's a hilarious website called the Babylon Bee. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's all Christian satire and jokes. And there was one where it said, man sitting three feet away from his Bible, praying, God speak to me. He has spoken to us. At the beginning of Hebrews, he says, he has spoken to us now in his son. And I love in John 10, Jesus says, my sheep, okay, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them. And how do we know you really hear his voice? They follow me. Following and hearing go together. Those who really hear, follow. And those who follow, it's because they heard. We follow Jesus by the gentle leading of his word that he's given us. 
That's why in Hebrews chapter two, he says, let's pay attention to what we have heard so we don't drift away from it. You know, Natalie and I went to Islam Mujeres, Mexico for our 10 year anniversary. We had a great trip, just amazing. Can't wait to go back. And we decided to go snorkeling one afternoon. So we hop into this little boat. Uh, it was really funny. We walked up, there was this nice boat. We're like, whoa, this is it. And then right behind that was this little boat you couldn't even see. You're like, oh, okay, that's the one we're going in. We hop in that thing and we leave and we don't know where we're going. They just said, get in this boat. Okay. And we go, I'm really selling it now. This is just selling really good. And we go and they pull up to this little shack and they tell us to get out. We get out and through my jumbled Spanish and through their jumbled English, we finally found the right gear that we needed to, to go snorkeling, the right vest and fins and, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking there's going to be some coaching. Like, okay, here's what you need to do. Um, here's what to do if, you're, if your mask fogs up or whatever. None of that. But we're just walking to the boat, said, I guess we're going. And all of a sudden, we get one piece of advice, one sentence. Don't follow the fish. Goodbye. <laughs> and like, okay. Don't follow the fish. Got it. That's not hard to remember. We get in the boat. We leave. The guide says, are you ready? I guess. And he just kind of falls backwards and goes in. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go in normal. <laughs> and as we're going, all of a sudden these amazing fish are coming up and the barracuda are coming by. It was kind of scary for a second. And all these fish. And I'm so glad they gave us that one piece of advice. Don't follow the fish. Follow the guide. Don't follow the fish, follow the guy. I had my little GoPro and we're going and I was following this fish. I'm like, oh man, that guy's way over there. <sighs> Gotta go back. Without that piece of advice, I would have gone who knows where. Friends, we follow our guide, our great shepherd. When your marriage hits a rough patch and you need to confess you know you need to ask for help. You know you need to ask for forgiveness. And you know you need to give forgiveness. Your great shepherd leads you by his word. Confess your sins to one another. Forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you. When you're in conflict with someone and you've been prideful and you've been sinful and wrong and you know it, Jesus, your great shepherd, leads you from the word and says, humble yourself. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you're tempted to gossip, say something hurtful, Jesus, our great shepherd, speaks from the word. Let no filthy talk come from your mouth, but only that which is good for building up and that which gives grace to those who hear. When you're impatient, and fed up and frustrated, Jesus whispers your great shepherd from the Bible, love is patient. Love is kind. Friends, we don't just read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible. That has got to be one of the worst reasons to read the Bible on the planet. We do it to be led by Christ, to follow our great shepherd, to hear his voice and follow him. We're led by Jesus as we read because here's why. Because we're ever connected to Jesus, to God now. Look at what he says in verse 20. By the great shepherd, now by the blood of the eternal covenant. So by the crucifixion, by Jesus' blood being spilled on that cross outside of Jerusalem, now we are forever covenanted, connected 
tethered to God. It's unshakable, no expiration date. What he's doing here is he's reminding us of our place now with our risen Savior. Remember, Jesus is your shepherd. He has you. He's leading you every day. Follow him. Submit to his leadership. This is why it's important that we just, that we got to know more than just stuff about Jesus. We got to know Jesus himself, the risen Christ himself. As you go out this week, as you go out into the world, as, and as temptations hit and as difficulties come, and even as opportunities to do good appear, your resurrected shepherd is with you. What are you going through? Invite your resurrected shepherd to it. Bring it to him and really realize he's with you. Realize he's there. And you must see this as real. I think when we begin to see this as real and not just sermonese and not just Christian talk, but you'll view it as real life, your life will change. Because you'll see you're being equipped and energized by God himself. Look at verse 21. So he begins 20, now may the God of peace, now what are we asking and praying and what is this God of peace going to do? You skip down to 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Do you see the great power in your life? It isn't you. The great power in our life is God alone. Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good to do his will. This should be the prayer, the counsel we give to one another. May the God of peace equip you, brother. May the God of peace help you, sister. All the commands in the Bible, everything we're called to do, God is giving you everything you need to obey. I mean, just think about some of the things we've heard in Hebrews. Encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. God will equip you to do that to make it happen. Honor marriage. Keep the marriage bed pure. Love one another. Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles you. Pursue peace with everyone. Strive after holiness. God himself is giving you the ability to do it. Our confidence in the Christian life is never us. I have zero confidence that I have the natural abilities to love someone else. And especially to love them like I love myself to encourage someone else. I have zero confidence that I can endure till the end in my own natural abilities. My confidence is in God alone. He will never ask you to do something that he isn't empowering you to do. You need to hear that. God is not asking you to do anything in his word that he is not empowering you to do also. That would be cruel. And that's, that's, that's man's religion asking you to do things that you really can't do. But God is asking you to do things that one, you know you can't do on your own. And two, that now he is giving you his son who has already obeyed him perfectly and has obeyed his word perfectly. And now is empowering you to do it. And he takes it even a step further. How is he equipping us? And what is he equipping us with? Look at verse 21 again. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will. So remember, equip. Now, working in us. So now may the God of peace equip you. And now may the God of peace equip you with everything working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight. You see the difference? 
There's a big difference between he's going to equip you and he's working in you. Equipping is, here's the tools you need. Here's the hammer you need to put in that nail. Go ahead. Here's, your, here's the hammer. I'm equipping you. Okay, great. But that's, it's not done. It's a two-step process. You equipped with the hammer, and now he says, now I'm working in you. So here's the hammer, equip, and I'm going to be the muscle from which you swing that hammer. And I'm going to be the power through which that hammer moves. This is the Christian life. He's equipping us and he is the one working in us. Beloved, this verse tells you that God isn't only supplying the resources to do his will, but he's also telling us, I am the resource. He is the power. He is now tinkering and transforming in our hearts. He's turning the power on. He's bringing about transformation to what honors him that which is pleasing in his sight. So when you did forgive someone, it wasn't independent of God's power. It was God. When you love your spouse with, without a shred of selfishness or boomerang expectations behind it, it wasn't an anomaly. That was the almighty God at work in you. When you're patient with your children, after they just spilled milk again. It was God cranking up the supply of patience in your heart and soul. When you serve, when you're kind, when you share the gospel with others, we are seeing the power of God at work in your life. He's equipping you and he is working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. And without God's working, it would never happen, ever. So don't ever think, is God working in my life? This verse teaches you he is in an incalculable amount of ways. You being here today, if it's for the right reasons, is because God is working in you. You singing, praising from the heart. It's God working in your heart to make it happen. This gives me so much peace and comfort and rest and excitement to know that it's not all up to me, that it's not all up to my power. I'm not alone, but that God is at work in me. And I love how Paul echoes this exactly in Philippians 2. And he says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. So we're talking about obedience and doing his will. So now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And here it is. So why? Why do we work out our salvation? Why do we see the effects of being saved in our lives? Why should that happen? For it is God who is working in you. Just like Hebrews 13. Both to will and to work according to his good purpose. For God is working in you two things, to will and to work. Our obedience to God's word, it doesn't even originate with us. And even our desire to want to obey God doesn't even originate with us. God is working in us the will and the work according to his good purpose. God puts the, the will in there. God puts the desire and the zeal. God puts the want to in there. When you want to forgive, when you, when you want to read, when you want to pray and you want to sing and you want to serve and you want to honor, God is working in you to will and to work that it would make it happen. 
that you would serve, that you would honor, that you would love. It all comes from God. That's why he says, now work out your salvation. Not, not work for. We totally believe you don't work for your salvation. You work from it. Work out your salvation, flexing the reality of our new life in the risen Christ so that we may do his will. That's the whole point back in Hebrews 13 and verse 21. Equip you with everything to do his will. And now this is all possible through Jesus Christ in verse 21. That which is working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is really the whole point of Hebrews is the whole point of the Bible. That without Jesus Christ, none of this is possible. Forgiveness, freedom from sin, reconciliation with others and with God, new life and eternity with God, release from guilt and shame, all through Jesus Christ. And he gets glory, the Father gets glory, the Spirit gets glory. Only Jesus brings us to the God of peace because without Jesus, we would not encounter the God of peace. We would encounter the wrath of God. But now because of Jesus, we meet the God of peace because Jesus took God's wrath for us on the cross, paying for our sins, rising in new life. We can't worship God without Jesus. We can't be forgiven without Jesus. We need Jesus for our entire lives. Everything this book's been saying for 13 chapters, it's all possible through Jesus, the crucified and risen shepherd of the sheep, who holds the universe together by the word of his power, who's better than the angels, who's better than Moses, who's better than the temple, who's better than the high priest, who's better than the sacrifices, and the one who's not ashamed to call you brother or sister the one who has an indestructible life, the one who invites you to draw near by the throne of grace. Your new life, your eternity, your following God's word, it's all because of Jesus. So we keep looking to Jesus. If you want to endure and make it to the end, you look to Jesus. If you want to experience new life, you look to Jesus. Are you looking to Christ now? The things I said earlier, whatever you're going through, whatever it's facing, barreling down at you in your life, are you looking to the great shepherd of your life? Do you follow him? Do you know him? I know you probably know about him, but do you know him? Look and believe today. And not to be rude and not to change the subject. May the God of peace empower you and energize you. The same God who brought Jesus back from the crypt. May he empower you to follow him now, tomorrow, until the end of the age. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.